today I'm kind of combining, as I often do, the gospel and uh, the uh, epistle lesson. But uh, before I do that, we didn't do the doxology, did we? But praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And we thank you so much for your giving. Uh, we are uh, doing pretty good for what I gather, so, but we could do better. And I just wrote a, I just wrote a bunch of checks, so we need some more. We need some more money, okay? Yeah, the, the, the out, it's going out, it's got to come back in. So uh, remember the offer, Blake. Just because we didn't pass it doesn't mean we don't mean it, need it. So thank you so much for your giving. And it goes to God, and it's God's uh, work. So we thank you so much for that. There's a story, I think, that maybe either King Duncan or Leonard Sweet had that a young lady was soaking up the sun's rays in Florida on the beach when a little boy in his swimming trunks carrying a towel came up to her and asked her, Do you believe in God? She was a little surprised by the question. But she replied and said, well, yes, I do. Then he asked her, do you go to church every Sunday? Again, her answer was yes. He then asked her, do you read the Bible and pray every day? And she said, yes. By now, her curiosity was very aroused. And the little lad sighed with great relief and said, Will you hold my quarter while I go swimming? <laughs> the little boy was straightforward and honest in his questions because he wanted to entrust the lady to the lady, something valuable to him. The Pharisees in our gospel lesson this morning are not being honest. They never were. They have no intent of entrusting Jesus with anything. They're not looking for the answer to a question. They don't want someone to hold their quarter. They're looking for a way to get rid of this troublemaking Nazarene named Jesus. The Pharisees were so angry, it blinded them. You ever seen anybody that way? Just so angry, can't see anything beyond here? Think for a moment. Think about the ironies here. We know because we live on this side of the resurrection that we as Christians that Jesus was and is God. They thought he was demonic, an agent of Satan. We know that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. They thought he wanted to be King of Israel only. We know that he was the Son of God. They thought he was simply Joseph and Mary's son. We know that Jesus has influenced the world for over 2,000 years. They thought his influence would end at the cross. So many in the world today thought that was it. They thought then that was it. So many, there are many that thought that he never really even died on the cross. There are theories that he went into a coma or swoon or fainted. Or some say he never went to the cross at all, that uh, someone went in his stead, that it was a, a great conspiracy. 
It's a fascinating story. We look at the Pharisees and we shake our heads and just wonder, how can they be so blind? These are the religious people. These are, are the folks that have studied the scripture, the Torah, the ones that, the clergy, the, the, you know, they were the ones in charge. They weren't the priests necessarily all, but they were uh, religious leaders. And we shake our heads. And how could they have been so wrong when the truth was standing right in front of them? Why would they be so blind? I often ask myself, why are we blind? Why am I blind to this? Why didn't I see that before? You know, that I ask my questions, why, why can't people be more open-minded? And why can't people look at, logic, look at things logically and, and look in historical context and look at things scientifically and look at things... Uh, balance faith and science and balance uh, look what we used to think and what we learn now we just have a real hard time with that and as I said last week some things that I thought 30 years ago 20 years ago even 10 years ago I've changed my mind on because studying and listening and, and, and seeing uh, what God uh, has revealed I believe and through people's lives and through their testimonies and, and, and what have you uh, I've changed try to be open and logical. I believe that they were upset because Jesus held them accountable and exposed their hypocrisy. We're all hypocrites. Did you know that? I'm a hypocrite. Every one of you are hypocrites. Because very often we say one thing and we do another. We say we believe one thing, but we very rarely live out all of that. And that was one of the problems with the Pharisees, although they were extreme hypocrites. He, he said, teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God. Not for a moment that they believe in Jesus' sincerity. Not for a moment that they believe in anything that Jesus was wanting to do good and that he was really a good teacher. It was really a setup. Do we try to set each other up sometimes? Does that happen in the church? Does that happen in the greater community? Does that happen in the bigger church? Does that happen in politics? Does that happen in, in you know, we're clever, do we think sometimes, you know? We, well, what do you think about this? <laughs> and, and so that's what they were coming up with Jesus because they wanted to stab him in the back. I've had people ask me, what do I think about this and what do I think about that? They weren't really interested in what I thought about it. They would hope that I would give an answer that would give them ammunition against me. I wasn't born yesterday. I've seen that many times. But if I give you an answer... It's an answer that I'm trying to answer sincerely, sometimes not clearly. But they said, Thank, uh, tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, to Caesar? Not to the king, Herod, but to the conquering, occupying government. And Jesus did a weird thing. He said, bring me a denarius. Now, if they'd been in the temple and they'd shown that coin, 
it would have had on it the face of Caesar and that he was the emperor and the, basically the king of the world. What would that have been to the Jews? Blasphemy, wouldn't it? It would have been a graven idol. But where they were, he said, give me. And then he just gave them a real clever answer. Do you, they asked, do you think we should pay taxes? That's why they hated the tax collectors so much, because they, the tax collectors were in with the, with, 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 uh, the Romans. And, and so he said, give to the emperor or to Caesar what is Caesar's, and give to God what is God's. Well, wow, that's a great answer, wasn't it? I was in a play, I was in a trap, you know, we had players and all that when I was in college, religious college, and I remember we were in dress rehearsal, and I was playing a bad guy, imagine that, and I was in confrontation with Jesus in this very part, and we were in dress rehearsal, we'd gone through it, and I was really tired, and so, I, you know I mean, would, would I ever do something, uh, you know, kind of ADHD or whatever, <laughs> so that he says, Show me the coin. And whose description is in it? Whose, whose image is in it? And I said, and I was supposed to say Caesar. Well, George Washington, of course. Well, those of you who know theater, I, I committed the unpardonable sin. Uh, all I heard was character, character, character. They were so upset. Never to break character and do something like that, but I thought it would be funny. A few people snickered, but not enough. But it makes me re remember that whose inscription do we see in a dollar and a quarter? Mr. Washington, we see government figures. We, we, we don't like paying taxes. I tell my uh, tax preparer, do not do anything that would put the red flag there. <laughs> And then when I say something that she thinks would be a red flag, she said, don't do that. We're not going to do that. So fine. Because what's the last thing that you want to happen to you is to be audited in it. And what a headache that that would be. But we as citizens, we live in this country and it takes taxes to make everything. And then we argue on what those taxes should be used for. And we have a right to do that. But Jesus gave them a very... Uh, straightforward answer and it tells us as Christians that we are to be good stewards we are to be good citizens we are both in this world and in this country wherever we live and that we are part of the kingdom of God and that we are I guess you could say ambassadors for the good of the gospel there's no peanuts cartoon as you know, I love Peanuts, the gospel according to Charlie Brown. The cartoon showed Linus asking his sister Lucy to check out the shine job that he had done on his shoes. And she says, his shoes look great. But as he runs around to leave, Lucy informs him, you forgot to do the back of your shoes, Linus. They still are scuffed. Oh, I didn't forget, he explains. I just care about what they think as I come into the room, I don't care what they think as I'm leaving. Are we that way at all? Are we thinking only what people see on the front, but what is said about us and 
What kind of witness do we have as we leave, as we leave church, as we leave a conversation, as we leave a, a meeting or whatever? What uh, kind, that kind of attitude that Paul, going back to the epistle to the Thessalonians, he's forcefully arguing against that in his text. He says, for the sake of the gospel that he is preaching in order to be true to the mission to which he has been appointed. Paul deems it imperative that the communities of new Christians see the character of Christ in all he and his colleagues have done in their midst. Paul doesn't enter into the relationship with these communities for any personal gain, but for the glory of God. So just as Linus was talking about coming in and having his suits and shoes all cleaned up, he was thinking of what we, or I guess we could put that as first impressions. First impressions are less about what people than what we feel about what they're saying, but Paul made his first apostolic message less about words and more about actions. The Danish philosopher Søren Kierkegaard began one of his essays with, in a similar fashion. These are Christian reflections. Therefore, we will not talk about love, but about the works of love. Paul's first impression is a critique of the re recitative of political correctitude. Or as the first John 3, 18 puts it, little children, let us love not in word or speech, but in truth and actions. We spend so much time and energy loving with our language, don't we? Oh, I love you. We love the world. We love you. But do we show it? Do we show it when we walk away in the back of our shoes or, show, or, or visible? So Paul's first impression is a talk, a witness that becomes a witness. Did you know that that Thessalonians letter was written long before any of the Gospels were ever written? It's only about 40 years. Paul's letters were out there before the Gospels were written. They've been handed down uh, by oral tradition in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John different versions, and there were others out there that didn't make it to the canon. But the posture there is that it's focused on power of faith, the moving presence of the Holy Spirit, and the passion of conviction. The three Ps, and that's what I want you to remember today, of what Paul was saying to us, and I think it goes to what Jesus was saying, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and what uh, to God is God's. What is it that we should give in the world and show to the world and what should be our impression to the world if our shoes are clean and polished in the front shouldn't they be clean and polished in the back do we think about that enough so the first one is the first p i want you to remember is power the power of christ's living presence there is power in the presence of Christ in our lives. You hear me often talking about the presence of Christ. And the second P is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Some refer to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Presence. It's Christ's presence. Power of Christ's presence living in us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And the third 
which is something that we all need to reclaim and rekindle, what do you think that would be? The passion. The passion of conviction is through divine power. John Wesley said that we're all seeking happiness and we're all seeking to, you know, to feel good. And we're all seeking uh, to feel like we're really into this, this uh, faith thing. But how do we find that? Remember last week, what did I talk about? Accept the invitation and what? Rejoice. Mr. Wesley said, accept the invitation, but be happy. Find your happiness, and Jesus said this too, find your happiness in showing love to the world through Christ. Now, sometimes we don't find that exactly easy because when people don't agree with us, when things go wrong, when we go out and do the best that we can and we don't see the results that we would like to see, when there's discord in our world and, 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 and we think, how can we get that straightened out? When we don't see the church growing and then we're stuck in a pandemic where people won't come in, it was hard enough to get folks anyway. And now it's even harder, but we find new ways to reach out. So happiness is a moral and social virtue, not a state of feeling. That's what Mr. Wesley said. Happiness is a moral and social virtue, not a state of feeling. Do you know that you can be happy and in the worst of circumstances? Because why you feel peace. You feel that you have done the best that you can, that you're walking in the three Ps, the presence of Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, and in the passion of conviction. You're doing what Jesus said. You give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but you make sure you give to God what is God's. And sometimes we feel like, well, what's the use? What, why should I give of my finances to the church? When it looks like it's struggling and where is it going? Because God said so. That's why. Why should we speak positively about the kingdom of God, about the faith church or anything? Because God said so. Jesus said, carry the gospel with passion. If we don't have any passion, you think anybody's going to listen to us? Think about it. The happiest people don't have to be the best of everything or have the best of everything to make the best of everything that they have. In one of the syndicated bottom liners cartoons, a worried looking businessman is sitting across the table from a fortune teller. I've only been to one in my life. And unfortunately, she was right. I didn't believe her at that time. She told me who was going to betray me and, and everything. I didn't believe it. I'm not giving power to, to, but it freaked me out. So I never went back. I didn't want to go to them in the first place. I was kind of uh, uh, brought in there. But, of course, to go, I shouldn't have gone. But happiness is just around the corner, the fortune teller says. However, 
there is an extra charge if you want the street address. <laughs> Happiness is just around the corner, but there's an extra charge if you want the street address. But we know the street address, don't we? And there's no extra charge. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid the price. Jesus gave us eternal life. We, we know what our destination is. But we should get there in the presence of Christ, showing the presence of Christ to this world by being what? Christ's ambassadors to the world in the presence of the Holy Spirit and the passion of Christ, the love of showing to a world that needs to hear the very best. May God grant us that passion that love, that sincerity, that peace, that kind word, that kind act. Making a phone call in these times. Making a phone. You got a director. You all got directors now. Use your director and call, call folks and say, hey, I just want to check on you. I just want to tell you I love you. Call people you haven't talked to or seen in a long time. Let God take care of the rest. Because we are to give to God what is God's. Give, give to the emperor what's the emperor's. But give. How many of you think that that should be balanced a little more like that? Instead of like that or like that. This is the emperor. More to God, right? More to God. If we are compelled to give X amount, not just finances, but if you look at it in those terms, how much more should we give to God? Time, prayer, devotion. May it be so, O oh Lord, that we give of our best. We give to Caesar what Caesar's, but we want to give to you because you truly are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we are part of your kingdom. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us stand as we profess our faith. In the Apostles' Creed. Before we sing, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and buried. The third day rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from thence shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and forever shall be, world without end. Amen and amen.